0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Hey,
1: hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my bud, Tone.
2: What's up, Tony? What's going on, man? I'm uh, super excited. We're here in uh, Philadelphia yeah. uh, at Premier. Philadelphia and, uh, Premier 2018, right? Yes, and uh, our guest today, I mean, we, we've been laughing probably for the last hour. This dude is so <laughs> funny. Uh when we get into his story, and if you get a chance to uh, research this guy, you'll be laughing. Yeah, no doubt. I can't wait.
1: I can't wait to get in. Well, you want to go ahead and uh, just jump in then? Just to jump in? Yep. Okay. So um, our guest today is Ben Mollin and uh, Ben Molin is the CEO of the Ben Molin Project, right? But um, Ben's also known for, um, he was the runner-up on Sheer Genius with the amazing Tabitha Coffee. And he was just on the, uh, the recent episode of The Look. <laughs> runner-up again. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's go ahead and get in. Uh, so, Mr. Ben Mollin, thank you for joining us on your day off.
3: Well, second place. Let me second place. If I, if I may, Yeah. no stress. No stress? None. Because you, you didn't care. You didn't win. You didn't win. Second place. Second place. So second place, in a way, is just, it's safe, it's easy, and very familiar. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: That sounds like a speech his wife wrote. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 yeah, My therapist told me to See say me that a second. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For some reason, I
3: asked my therapist told me to uh, respond that way. So right. that's awesome. Oh my goodness!
2: This, this is how the whole thing's going to be. I have We're a just flapping that. the whole time. Yeah, this is
3: <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. It just depends on the question, right. you know. Right.
2: So. No. He's not even Dutch,
3: right? No, uh-uh. not even close.
2: So, so where did you grow up? Where are you from?
3: I am from Calumet City, Illinois. So I'm originally from the south side of Chicago. So if you take where the Bears play, Soldier Field, I'm 30 miles, like about a half an hour south in a town called Calumet City. And it was kind of just, I wasn't necessarily like the hood, but Cal City was Cal City. It was just like a a blue-collar working town. We had the Ford plant out there. Uh, Both my parents were teachers. So we had to live in district because my mom was a school principal. So me and my brother were raised in Calumet City, Illinois. I mean, when I was a baby, which doesn't really count, like baby life, I guess I spent like 11 months in some like crap apartment in Dalton, Illinois, which would be kind of like the stepbrother of Cal City. So going from Dalton to Cal City would be like, I don't know, crossing the street to the nicer side. And no, we, we lived there pretty much my whole entire life. Oh wow! And uh, so I was there till I was eighteen, and just started moving around because we had to live in district. So lived there. My mom was a school principal at a K through five elementary, and then my dad was a music teacher, K through five, about like twenty minutes away in another like southern, you know, suburb of Illinois in Chicago Heights. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, so we grew up my grandparents were in the front of the house, my mom and dad were in the back of the house and then there was me and my brother. And Top that of the was house. it. <laughs> no, it was like a big like if you were to take two like slab homes and just yeah. jam them together. And so they were in the front and me, my mom, my dad, my brother were in the back. So I was basically raised by my grandma. Because my parents work, and then my grandpa was actually a, a, for lack of a better term, a mobster. So he actually lived with Al Capone's son his freshman year of U of I, and they played football together. And
1: what is that? This is Capone's son. Yeah, he played fresh- football at U of I
3: at U of I. Freshman year at U of I. So the (laughs) story, tackling him, (laughs) nobody. (laughs) So and he was. uh, So my grandpa was in the front of the house, and he ran a pharmacy like when he was a kid because he went to pharmacy school. And how the story goes is that Capone told him to go ahead and drop out. And so my grandpa was basically like his job before I was born. He used to run the prescription drugstores in South Chicago for the mob. Mm-hmm. And how I even got turned on to doing hair when he would babysit me, he'd bring me to a barber shop in Dalton, <laughs> <laughs> the, town I, the town I lived as a, as a baby, which kind of doesn't count. And I would sit there and read Highlights magazines while he would run numbers on the phone because he was a bookie for like Chicago sports teams.
1: Wow, this is your grandfather. So, so my grandpa, yeah. So so your grandpa, he, um, it was Al Capone that that, that told him to quit.
3: P- again or
1: that was the or that was the or no that no, was no. The son. The,
3: how this story goes is that freshman year at u of i lived together with capone's son mm-hmm. uh capone got paranoid and pulled the son out of school and okay so al capone
1: pulled him out of school
3: yes okay okay yes i was yeah.
1: confused i wasn't sure yep. if it was the if it was the son that that, that said oh, no, no, or if it was the dad that was like no it was it was just
3: kind of like that like and this is his ring you know And you you watch videos when when they were younger. We got them all like we took all the remember when it was popular to take like your old like they look like machine gun rolls as far as like the old cameras. And then you'd you'd go from that to VHS. (laughs) Then from VHS, you'd go to DVD. I remember like my mom got like she spent like a thousand dollars like back in the day to get everything from VHS over into DVD. And if you look at like old pictures and old videos, like in like even like the 60s and 70s, like he was driving these crazy cars. Like they were going to like, he'd go to like the zoo with his barber and he'd be in a wheelchair smoking cigars, laughing, going around. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell, but he was definitely like in the right area at the right time um, mm-hmm. for all that stuff to kind of happen. So when I was growing up, he was pretty quiet for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, one time and one time only, I sprayed him with the hose I had friends over, you know, I was like, what, 11, 11 or 12. And all my grandpa used to do is he had a garden, he would drink old style, and he would hit golf balls in the river. And when I say river, it, do not think of anything romantic. It was like a well, fucking, you could jump it. It was like, it was basically, it was like old plank wood and just death, you know, in the back of my house. And I sprayed him with the hose. And I got him like right money shot, like right, 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 right. Like right when he came out. And my friends are out there We're playing basketball he Pulls the hose out of my hand Pushes me up against the wall Picks me up by an arm The dude lifted He was like Hulk Hogan He like lifted wow. weights The whole entire time he was alive Holds me up Looks Waits for tears Waits another second Drops me And then grabs me by the feet Puts my head by the door Puts his foot by my head And starts slamming the door back and forth. <laughs> No way My grandpa In front of my friends in front of my friends. And then my dad, who I'll get to oh later. My goodness. And then my dad, who's... We'll talk about this later. My dad has a stutter. <laughs> so all I hear is my dad going... The, 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 <laughs> and the door was slamming. <laughs> and it was like, if you were to take like a really... Like fear and loathing in Las Vegas and combine it with Requiem for a Dream... It was at that specific time and moment, I literally thought my grandpa was gonna kill me. And I was like 11.
1: Oh my God. For
3: spraying him with a hose. So. Oh my God. It was epic. And you, you know what I never did? I never You're fucking sp- sprayed him with a hose again. <laughs> <you> spray <laughs> anybody with a hose. No, no. And that he never, there was never any violence. Nothing. But the one time that I sprayed them, you know what I mean, and got them in a the total nut shot, I thought I was going to die. So <laughs> were you was, afraid
2: of them after that?
3: It, yeah, You're I right. mean how
2: how can't you be?
3: It was effortless. You I'd know? be like,
2: I wouldn't even say hi. his wait. Like.
3: <laughs> and then my grandma was my grandma was super sweet, you know, super sweet. But Mary do a, a complete like wow, you know. <laughs> And, but I said, super cool guy. Like, he was awesome. You know, I'd sit on his lap when I was a kid, and he would smoke ca- Captain Black tobacco out of a pipe, and I'd play Barrel Full of Monkeys, and we'd just watch right. the Cubs. You
2: you know? just, just don't jump on his lap,
3: right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. I wouldn't give him like a ball slap or nothing. No. There's no, there's no way. You know? like, why would you? Especially after experiencing something like that. I totally
1: like... In, um... That's hardcore.
3: Well, but again, it was, I, I
1: it... totally see uh, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, right? Right. <laughs> oh, you think I'm funny?
3: It was instant. (laughs) It was like, you know what I mean? So for me, like, I can't wait for my son to have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I turned out okay. I mean, so Uh, (laughs) it's open for discussion.
1: You're looking to pay pay it forward, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's open for discussion. Oh, my God. That's incredible.
3: And then, no, my grandma was super cool, basically raised us. And she was a double mastectomy breast cancer survivor, like, way early on. And she lived to be pretty old. I mean, both of them lived to be, you know, pretty old. And my mom, uh, grade school principal, but my mom actually had, my mom was physically handicapped. So she had, she was on a drug called prednisone. Yeah, yeah. uh, Super early on. So when I got like in high school, Mm -hmm. maybe like 15 or 16 is when my mom started having like medical issues.
1: From the prednisone?
3: From the prednisone. So she's had to get, like, hip replacements, knee replacements, and if she wouldn't go on it, like, she wouldn't breathe.
1: So be, so before all that, though, you said she was uh, she was handicapped. What was her handicap?
3: It, it was all due related to prednisone. It was all, like, uh, like uh, medical uh, side so effects. So why was
1: she on the prednisone?
3: So it was actually for breathing, ironically enough. It was, um, she had, like, super bad bronchitis, mm-hmm. and it was the thing, I guess, what prednisone does is it actually, like, helps open up your airwaves. So she became like, she'd be on again, off again, like really sick, like, you know, surgeries and all that kind of type stuff. She still ran an elementary school, Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes she'd have to do it from like a medical scooter and all that. So early on, I had that started to happen. And then as my grandma started to go ahead and get sick, when I was around like 14 or 15, I started to live with a lot of like really adult stuff, like super early on. So I couldn't wait They were awesome people. I couldn't wait to get out of the. Couldn't couldn't wait. And there was always like these random dogs that they would adopt, and you know, I'll never forget it. My mom brought home a cocker spaniel, and uh, she named it Lucky, and it was like the worst name she could have ever given this dog because for some reason the dog got a really like dry nose, and the nose actually kind of like crumbled and fell out. So that my mom got surgery for the dog, and the dog died. Yeah, but, the, the, but the dog's name was Lucky, you know, so How if you think ironic. about it from that. <laughs> I'm
2: seeing your grandfather taking the dog's nose, rubbing it in the carpet. No, no, <laughs> no, no,
3: no, he wasn't. I'm telling you, it was just... Right. Flipped the switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he doesn't like getting it wet unless it's on his own recognizance, you know, so... Oh, my gosh. But no, crazy. that was... Uh, and then my dad is a... He was a music teacher, um, like K through five. So my dad, I guess the best way to explain it is he's got... Extreme like OCD, so my dad in a way is kind of a, a, a genius, like in a way, um, but musically. So there's like so I had mental limit like mental like limitations. I mean, he was an amazing guy, still is. He's awesome. But I had this very genius kind of type father, and then a mom that was brilliant in her own mind, but physically handicapped, and then a grandma that was always battling cancer, and then a grandpa that mm. just basically smoked a pipe and you didn't want to spray him in the nuts with a hose you know (laughs) Uh, lesson learned lesson learned yeah so that's that's i mean i basically that's childhood that's a lot yeah um i swam i was a swimmer
2: in that creek in that river that (laughs) no i did not swim in
3: the creek or the river that hit the golf balls yeah so no yeah that's where i'm from so it was close enough to chicago to still have uh, a major city impact you know, going to shows on weekends.
0: Compound
1: oh, an roots. That's, you can't get more Chicago than that. Compound on the
3: Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> That's right. man. That's it. <laughs> That's what you get.
1: That's good. Okay. Before it goes, before it goes completely crazy. How'd you get into hair, man?
3: I got into hair. This woman named Beverly, actually, who used to work at this place called Hair Crafters, and I believe it was Crafters with a Z. <laughs> you know, and I used to just like go in places with my mom and grandma. Mm-hmm. And the shop that they would go to was this woman named Beverly would do their hair, and I like going. I just like hanging out. I liked sitting under the dryer. I liked reading the the good housekeeping <laughs> good <laughs> housekeeping magazines, yeah, right, and then plus, I had that barber experience with my grandpa. I just like hanging out. When I was a kid, I just loved going there. I wasn't a really big fan of getting my hair done. I mean, my parents gave me the the Joni Loves Chachi haircut, you know, <laughs> right, like sure. we all had. Sideburns shaved <laughs> out to the side. And I just like going. And long story short, when I was 14, uh, one of the girls I went to school with, this girl named Katie, uh, asked me if I'd give her a spiral perm. And I had Whoa. seen them getting done before. So we went to Sally's and we bought Quantum Red. <laughs> and a bunch of orange and purple perm rods, and it took me fucking forever. Yeah, right. It took me like seven hours, and I rinsed it in the sink, followed the directions, and it turned out golden. So next thing I know, sophomore year, my mom had a friend that came over, and she's like, hey, will you give me a perm? I said, sure, and it was easier because it wasn't.
1: Sure, do you have the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, I hope you brought your kids. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be,
3: you want to bring a lunch. <laughs> and then I just started perm and stuff. Uh, super early on and i watched a friend of mine uh this guy named mike he took a four guard three guard two guard one guard and cut his own hair and that was it so i started doing it early I was like a freshman sophomore in high school when i started doing did you start
1: barbering on yourself or did you were were you doing
3: well but i I was a swimmer like we all right we'd always we'd shave our heads anyways Mm -hmm. so i mean like i had i gave myself the bozo haircut because there was like (laughs) the skier guy that had it for like a day so we were always messing around with um bleaching our hair out with like basic white bleach from sally's and kool-aid colors and manic panic and all that. we were always messing around uh but the women's hair thing i got turned on to pretty early mm-hmm.
2: so did you eventually uh go to to apprentice or go to a school
3: i went to beauty school right after high school i knew it was something that i was going to do and that when you get when you get 13 on your sats you're uh, <laughs> right. somewhat right. somewhat you're limited, limited. <laughs> to what you can do.
1: So low, the uh, beauty school was like, mm <laughs> Yeah. No
3: yeah, loans my, for you. Yeah, and my guidance counselor's only. like, well, you could be a shepherd or, you know, <laughs> right? you can go to beauty school. Uh, so no, I opted for beauty school and I went to one right, I literally, I graduated high school and then two weeks later is when I went to a school called John Amico and I went through it through my community college and then I was there for four weeks and it was an all African-American beauty school and one of the instructors comes up to me and says, "Can I ask you something?" I said, "Yeah, what's up?" What do you plan on doing when you graduate? I said, "I, I don't know, relaxers." I, I, that's all I knew. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's completely all I knew. So we decided that it would be a good idea for me to learn how to do Caucasian hair as well, <laughs> okay. considering where I was living and where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I ended up transferring over to this school called Cameo. And no, it's not owned by,
2: I was <laughs> so pissed around. off. I was so mad.
3: I felt so robbed that that didn't, that that, you know, that that didn't work out. And it went there and that was it. And when I was in beauty school, that's when I moved out of my house and oh. started just playing music and living at friends' houses until I had enough money to get an apartment. And so just you got, you been you a got gypsy the music,
2: music gene
3: then from your father? I got it from my mom and dad. Yeah, my mom was a uh, French horn player, uh, violin, and she sang. Okay. And then my dad was a piano player, so and I have music in my blood, uh, family too. I have uh, an, an actor cousin, Gary Sinise, the guy that played Lieutenant yeah, yeah. Dan, sure, yeah. is a, a cousin actually. So we have oh, okay. theater awesome. theater blood in our family, a lot of musical blood.
2: And what instru- instruments you play?
3: Uh, I play a bunch. The ones that I don't play, I don't play brass. <laughs> like <laughs> if you give me a trumpet, nope, nope, not happening. But beyond that, I can play several you know for sure cuz most stringed instruments are kind of the same you know depending on how they're tuned so my main ones would be upright bass saxophone guitar banjo and then singing and stuff like that
1: that's pretty cool so did you um like we have a friend that uh, that she she's been in a, a few different types of bands you know she started off at like like hardcore kind of stuff and now she's doing like folky kind of stuff did did you kind of find that you uh that you evolved as well
3: that i got older for sure yeah it's totally so you what found happens that you got older that's yeah, good it's almost like getting a cutting stool you know <laughs> usually you don't start off on one you kind of end up there you know <laughs> yeah, no i said. was uh Trained saxophone wise, I took all these different kinds of lessons and stuff. So I played all different kinds of music. I mean, for me, it, when I saw the Guns N' Roses "Welcome to the Jungle" video, right, life began. Did it's literally, it's just that simple. I remember watching that and just looking at my body and looking at Slash and being like fuck that's that's I'm screwed like that's that's it (laughs) that's it and buying the magazines and begging my mom to buy a guitar which was well I didn't have to beg her they were so into it that I was into music and just sitting there and like locking myself in my room until I figured out like master of puppets and how to play this and how to play that and getting guitar world and figuring out tablatures and forced myself to become a guitar player you know that's but so cool. saxophone wise, I mean, at jazz, I played blues, I played ska for a long time. Biggest gigs I ever got, I got hired to play with Smash Mouth uh, back in two thousand one. Me and this buddy of mine named Chewy. He's a trumpet player, Mm -hmm. and uh, we played two gigs with them on the road. So I got to play in front of like twenty thousand people, which was just, yeah. But it's it wasn't like I was playing with the Rolling Stones, though. You know what I mean?
1: Twenty grand is twenty grand, man. It's like, hey, you're
3: gonna play in front of twenty thousand people, but you're gonna play with Selena Gomez. You'd be like, oh man, you know?
1: (laughs) Why are you hating on Selena,
3: man? I'm just, I don't know. She was just there, It's just the first thing that showed up. First thing that showed up, you know. First thing that showed up. Oh my gosh. So no, I played in a bunch of different kinds of bands and had a band house for a while. Uh when I lived in Klamath City when I bought my first home, I lived with uh, a drummer and a bass player and all we did was literally, I mean we just played music and cutting hair for me was just something that I did to have money during the day and mm-hmm. then my all my evenings were always spent as a musician or like doing art or, you know, videos and all that stuff.
2: Can can we talk about the combination of cutting hair and music?
3: Yeah, of course.
2: Well, Ben has this uh, video. Uh, what's the name of the video? It's
3: summer t- haircuts in the summer. Yeah, haircut haircuts in the summer. In the summer. Oh, is that available God.
2: on YouTube?
3: Yeah, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. So
2: you guys go check out haircuts in the, in the summer. Haircuts in the summer, and you're going to laugh your tail off. <laughs> yeah, man, that was awesome. So how how did what inspired you to do that?
3: Well, we had like I got to a point where I had salons early on. Like I got my first shop when I was 21, and I bought it off. Uh, a family actually they turn into really good friends of mine this this older couple named Joe and Jenny and they're gonna hate the word hate that I said older and they're like <laughs> they're like uh they're like professional parents to me you know how you have like your the older the people that you look up to like your yeah, mentors absolutely. my like salon parents are Joe and Jenny Pechorik and I just love these people to death do
2: you have to kiss in a ring no
3: <laughs> I'm surprised I don't I'm surprised <laughs> I don't the guy has a fur coat. And nice. it in the winter, you know, so that's, awesome. that's close. Yeah, It's kind of like the Pope, right? right. <laughs> and so I ended up meeting them and I got my first shop, long story short, eight or nine years go by. And I had a record store for a while that I cut hair out of. We were like a music venue. Like I've always combined other things than just hair. And long story short, we ended up combining that. We ended up doing this and doing that. I found myself working at home. I was just like, you know what? I've spent all this money. I didn't like having a staff at that point. It cost me more money to have a shop than it did, and I was like crazy in debt. So I said, I'm going to solidify everything, and I'm going to go work from the house. So now I work at home, and then my master bedroom is still a recording studio. So in between clients, I would play music, and I would have people that either wouldn't work or musicians that would go ahead and stop by. And I had a 24-track Yamaha, like, recording thing. Wow. And friends would stop by, and my buddy DK had this beat that he had, and I came over to his house with an acoustic guitar and just played (laughs) CFG, basically. And he gave it back to me, and I started writing stuff down, and then I rapped over it and had this song called Haircuts in the Summer. So long story short... I get a random email about this television show. At the time, it was called Top Hair. And they asked if I wanted to go ahead and be on it. And I said, well, what do I need to do? They said, I need to make a video. So I called my buddy Nick and begged him to drive from Detroit, take every all of his computer gear, pick it, drive from Detroit, and stay up with me for a day and a half to get this to them by like a Monday. And we made the video for it. And we just followed me around for like two days, basically, and then we got done editing it and we watched it and we were like crying like we were laughing so hard oh, so man. then i sent it to bravo and literally i went from being a kitchen beautician to being on this like massive massive like real world type show you know
1: what um i mean how did top hair even hear about you like how how do you position yourself for that
3: i was at a point where i was about $50,000, 60000 in debt when I was pretty young. So mm-hmm. I opened up a record store and took out a large loan and then like literally like two weeks after I opened, Napster came out.
2: Uh, and then
3: <laughs> I swear to God, when Napster came out is like right when 9-11 happened. So not only do you have people getting music for free, but you also have people that are just scared to death. I, mean, I remember when that happened. I mean, like you didn't leave sure. the house. You were, Everybody was freaking out. Right. And it ended up tanking. So I had to take all that money that I spent and I couldn't get out of a lease that I was in. So I was just like, well, you know what, I'm going to do something before I was going to file bankruptcy. And I said, before I file bankruptcy, let me at least take out another credit card (laughs) and see if I can do like a documentary mockumentary. And I was going to call myself the heir to the throne. And I was going to get a red suit and kind of dress like Cedric the Entertainer. And we were going to go around in a Winnebago and do a documentary mockumentary, kind of like the movie Gummo. And we were going to do it around hairdressing. So I was going to go to like Genio, Ohio and interview people and hair salons and go back to the house and see what they have underneath their sink and hired some people. And when I mean hired, like asked people if they would help me. And we put it on Craigslist that we were looking to do this documentary mockumentary thing. And long story short, nothing happened. And because (laughs) of
0: that, nothing (laughs) nothing happened. (laughs) happened.
3: And I get this email from a production company that just kind of tagged into what it is that I was doing. And I had a website. I had a benmollen.com that I did a long time ago. And I would just post work that I would do on there. You know, I mean, it was just so basic. And that was it. They said, hey, we're on your website. Got a second, so I didn't even try out for it. I mean, nothing. I was literally, dry. I'll never forget, I was driving in the city on a day off and I got a phone call from uh LA, and that was it. Wow, made a rap video that's where I'm cussing, <laughs> smoking pot, doing yoga, and I was like, Why did I what the hell? all the time. <laughs> like, I finally get here's this opportunity that I've been dying for, and what do I do? I go the asshole route, you know, to see what would happen, and then I ended up sending it out there. And I didn't hear anything for a couple months. And then I ended up calling him. I'm like, hey, I just want to make sure you guys got my video. And the girl that I talked to, she's like, hold on a second. She walks outside and she whispers to me. She goes, I just want to let you know, like, we're all pushing for you, dude. That uh, video is fucking awesome. And we we know the words to it. Like, we're pushing for you. We're pushing for you. Just be patient. And then I got plane tickets and flew out to L.A. And that was it.
1: The rest That's is history,
2: like, right?
3: Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, re- and, I um,
2: remember watching that show. Yeah. You know. sheer
1: sheer genius right yeah yeah um yeah i mean i totally do too so at what point did they change the name do you know or is that was that was on the other
3: side i think it just yeah top hair is just that could be taken so many ways you know <laughs> yeah, yeah no doubt yeah for sure
1: so um so that's the uh, tabitha was involved with that yeah
3: yeah tabitha was um, on the same yeah we were on season one and uh that's when i met tabitha
1: What's, guys, kind of remind me. Was Was Tabitha well known before that, or was that kind of her breakout? Tabitha as well? was
3: a jo- international Joyco artist prior to doing yeah. that. And but, actually, the guy that won, this guy by the name of Anthony Morrison, he was uh, an international Joyco guy as well. But Tabitha was already traveling. That's uh, a
1: Joyco artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay.
3: Working. I know she was, but not really known big outside of the industry, right? I don't know. I'm not a, not too sure.
1: She's like she. Uh, Tabitha's awesome, and a huge fan of her. Um, she's the one name that like even our clients know right like if you talk about hairdressers you know they don't they, they don't know a lot of hairdressers name except like Vidal Sassoon and Tabitha Coffee I mean right. those are those it's a pretty good company to be that's <laughs> mad
3: know? success if you yeah. think about it that way uh,
1: completely mad you know?
3: success yeah it's like yeah. what we were talking about earlier that pie chart you know when you right. reach that level of out of your industry or out of your your group mm-hmm. when you become a household name that's to me that's fame there's notoriety right. and then there's fame and right. fame is wild it's a whole different thing
1: that's crazy, man. That's pretty awesome. So, um, so I mean, essentially, that's when um, you know the people found out about Ben Mollen too. So, so what was your track kind of after? After well, Ooh. I mean, he became runner-up,
3: right? <laughs> yeah, he, second he best. <laughs> just, no, no. yeah.
1: Actually, you know what, what's that guy's name? Anthony? What?
3: Not good enough. Yeah, Anthony Morrison. <laughs> Anthony his name? Morrison. Yeah. I
1: think we need to talk to him. I mean, he was the winner and
3: stuff. Yeah, let's text him. Yeah, let's <laughs> just FaceTime him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had this guy on. Don't even mention him. He- yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's got like a cool background story, but after 20 minutes of talking to him, he's nervous, he's he's crying, (laughs) all this this stuff goes on. He looks good, but I don't know, there's just something about him. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right, he didn't win. He didn't win. (laughs) Yeah. You should get that tattooed. Second place. Second place. Uh Didn't win. Uh Just not there on my knuckles. Almost. Oh, not bad. Not bad. I like it. I like like it. it. I like it.
1: (laughs) Almost famous.
3: Yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: So, okay, so that was your breakout. So, you know, what was your track after that? So,
3: after that, life didn't really change at that specific time and moment because I still was crazy in debt. I was still living in this like pretty shady area, but I was living for cheap. Like my mortgage was only like 589 bucks a month. Oh my gosh. Where I was living. And then I had music there. I had like, it was weird. Like what I had was my own. And even if it was like debt and this and that, it was still mine. And I became used to this lifestyle. (laughs) Like, you know. And after the show, I remember getting a phone call from Tabitha. And she says to me, she's like, well, what for, for fuck's sake, what are you going to do now? Your, <laughs> your, your street cred's gone, you know? And she put me in contact with Joico. And it was going to be between Joico and Alberto Culver. They were the ones that sponsored the show. Uh-huh. And I ended up going with Joico because Joico asked me if I wanted to go to New York to do Roger Waters' hair for an acceptance speech. Wow. And... It was at that moment where I said, holy cow, that's that's amazing. What a cool, what a great opportunity, you know? And so I ended up going with that, and that was it. I mean, the rest of it, I mean, it's such a, so much happened. I mean, I didn't have a salon at that point, so I just opened up in the back of my buddy's guitar shop at this place called Dynamite Music in Griffith, Indiana, and I paid him $100 a week to have two shampoo bowls and two little stations that I would just kind of work out of. And I got a Comcast digital phone and just that's where I worked. And then for that year, I think I ended up getting like three or 4,000 new people. Everybody that I did was brand new for like a year. Like people wow. just came all over the place. Cause I was, I was on the today show. I was like I, all over the place with everything. Right. But the event that I did with Joico in New York was, uh, actually you guys want to hear a story? Yeah, you guys, want to hear a funny stories?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want to hear funny stories. Man. It's about
3: the time I thought I humped my buddy Andy. Ready? <laughs> go. And Dracofly has been to New York, and we're I'm at this hotel called the Hudson, and it's like my first time in New York. And what they say to me before I even go there is just like, "Hey, we have a credit at the hotel, so don't be afraid to go in there and have a good time." I was like, okay, so land, end up at the Hudson, and I call my buddy Andy. See where this is going, right? <laughs> so I call my buddy Andy, who lives in Manhattan, and I say, hey, man, you should come join me. I said, let's, let's go ahead and tear it up. I got this product company that just flew me out. I got to be up tomorrow morning because I'm doing this thing with Roger Waters and all these celebrities and stuff, so I got to be on point. Okay, great. So he comes over, and I ended up going on the rooftop bar, and that's when I got turned on to these things called lychee martinis, and I think seven or eight in at that point, I ended up on a subway. From a subway, I go to a Japanese restaurant <laughs> in which I managed to get thrown out of. Hold on. This is, this is just like time travel stuff. From there, he takes me to a, like a show opening for some reason, which we ended up getting thrown out of as well. I go back to the hotel, and then for some reason, he calls a friend of his, this guy named Tom. And I guess Tom was on Sex in the City, or he was, like, he had a speaking role or something. something Anyways, right? Tom knew a lot of people, and Tom was sitting at a Tom big was table. was right? So here comes this guy, <laughs> three sheets of the wind drinking, you know, pancake drinks, you know? And I'm like, let's get a bottle. So I get a bottle of tequila, again, like, completely on, on someone else's tab. <laughs> and this must have had to have cost, like, $1,000. Like, it just had to have. And I wake up. And I am being carried by one of the biggest black guys I've ever seen in my life. But I'm not being carried like in a fireman position. I'm being carried like a baby. <laughs> so I have my arm around this guy, and my legs are up, and it was comforting. You know, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you, it was it was it was comforting. You know, it was like Lois Lane. You know, you
1: got me. <laughs> yeah, totally.
3: And I remember looking at him, and I say to him, "Am I in danger?" Because I split for a side, You know what I mean? That's the first thing you're going to Like, you're sure. going to say, yes, right. yes, I'm going to rape and kill you, you know? <laughs> and it was, they said, no, Mr. Mullen, we're taking you back to your room. So this is what happened, okay? I wasn't drunk. I was drunk, right? <laughs> I go upstairs to go ahead and go to bed. Now, Andy had already made it into the room. Me, however, I reached the finish line a little too early and passed out in the hallway. So I wake up knock on the door knock 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 you know i'm knocking trying to get in i'm like open the door mother effer i'm gonna kill you open the door open the door wrong door i don't know if you guys have taken a good look at me oh. <laughs> i'm in new york okay and i look like osama bin laden's punk rock cousin so here's these two older elderly couple have been called downstairs that there's a man knocking on their room threatening to kill them that was me and then i pass out so I went in this, I went in this like safety mode. I pass out. Uh, so they brought me into the room. Okay. I wake up the next day and I am sitting there with my buddy Andy next to me, like the same way you would make a ham sandwich. Uh, <laughs> like I couldn't get, you see how I got my hands closed like this? Yeah, like yeah, there was yeah. no air, like nothing. I could have flattened. <laughs> a basketball <laughs> like it just could
1: have so what are, are, are you like a face-to-face or in no no position? no no no.
3: like it, yeah like not spoon position <laughs>
1: not spoon position
3: no like i mean i bat was to bat. back to back no 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 it was i was on no, the outside he would have been the bat. inside oh. yes yeah, t- no it wasn't bat to bat no oh. he wasn't sunny side <laughs> up <laughs> and i woke up and i thought to myself for a split second i'm like no way because andy was not he, he was a non-clothed sleeper and i I'm kind I mean, there's, of
1: there's always a time to wear clothes, man.
3: but no, but when you're to that point though, um, so long story short, uh, nothing happened.
1: So <laughs> I, I kind
3: of woke up and did some investigating, you know, and took a shower and a warm rag and so you're, just not, kinda,
1: you're not a hundred percent positive.
3: hundred percent. no, I figured no, no, you're if you're
1: not a hundred percent positive, that nothing happened.
3: hundred percent. no i I've studied this like people I have studied this like people study like the JFK assassination. <laughs>
1: Doing his like, forensics,
3: I've re- I've retraced and gone into this and gone into that. <laughs>
2: Black light at the back. He pulled out the rubber glove. <laughs> Just a couple of guys
3: sleeping, make sure. <laughs> sleeping, super close, sure you After tight. a night of rock star drinking, and so, so, that was the last well, time I've up- ever done a shot. Yes,
1: but did you make it to Roger? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, it now was. That's Rockstar. I did. I did. I got to meet Roger Waters, and I ended up uh, putting hairspray in his hair. He had bushy eyebrows, but I was afraid to trim them because he's British. <laughs> And Did he's Roger Waters. <laughs> no, I was like, dude, he's Roger. he's no, he's gotta know his eyebrows are full. You know, I'm not gonna sit there and make him look like you know, who would I what would I like him look like Halle Berry? And just go in there go in there with my little nape razor and just kinda arch him <laughs> out, <laughs> give him like chola brows and just send him on stage. It just didn't feel right doing it, so just kinda left it alone. And then that was it. I ended up doing that, um, very dehydrated and <laughs> no doubt. went home and I've been on the road with Joico now since uh, two thousand seven.
2: Wow. And oh they kept God. you after all that. That's that awesome. was kind
3: of a, like it nobody really knew. It's like kinda of like if a tree falls it's kinda of like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, does it actually make a sound, you mm-hmm. know? That was so off the cuff uh with everything. But yeah, that was my my first Joico event.
1: Oh and, and here you are what, twenty years later?
3: Twenty, yeah, twelve. <laughs> twelve years. Twelve years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: They kept you around they after did. all that.
3: They did. They did.
1: <laughs> after a thousand dollar to kill. Them.
3: Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the, you know, it was my first taste of of anything out of my my normal. You know, that was like, and I knew that wasn't going to be my new normal. You know, I was, when the show happened and when it aired, I was very patient with what I was going to do next, you know, because right. this was, you know, a lot of people joke, they just like, man, you're like the original influencer, you know? <laughs> I was like, tell people I'm old school. I'm like cable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Before the and internet. Tennis. Yeah. Before the internet was easily accessible on phones, <laughs> there was me. And it was just ended up being uh, a pretty crazy, pretty crazy couple of years, man. Like big time crazy couple of years.
2: So back to the show. How you have one of the biggest icons in our industry, if not the icon in our industry, Vidal Sassoon and Sally Hirschberger commend you on your on your success throughout the show. How was that?
3: It just felt good, to be honest with you. I mean, Sally Hirschberger, I and we were kind of talking off camera or off, off cue. We never, me and my friends never went to hair shows. Like we were too busy, like trying to figure out like what shows you're we going to go to in Chicago and hairdressing for me was really just kind of like a craft for me. It didn't necessarily become a lifestyle until TV to be completely honest with you. Right. I never went to hair shows. Luckily I had really good teachers like early on in my career uh, mm-hmm. that taught me how to do like graduation and Bob's and, how to Fix Blonde. You know, I had really good teachers early on. But I ended up, after that show, getting thrown into a world that I didn't even know, like, existed. And it was, it wasn't like a deer in headlights kind of a type thing. But I remember doing my first trade show and just looking at the people that hired me and we were going to do the Joker thing. I was like, what do I do? They said, just go on stage and talk. I said, okay. So I went on stage and talked and I haven't got off the stage yet. Wow
1: that's cool man that's really cool it is it is it's, uh, it's a it's it's such a different tract like um Tony and I were kind of talking like we've we, we've we've kind of cheated ourselves through the through the hair um world because we've never had to do like editorial work you know a lot of people that, that that you talk to in the industry have had to do like um you know they've kind of had to earn their way and you know somehow with this podcast you know just we we're just available um so it's kind of cool like it, it kind of like you you kind of saw, like Side doored the industry as well.
3: I got dropped off in a golden helicopter. I mean, if you really if you really think about it. But after all that happened and I saw some of the people, uh two people in specifically, uh a gentleman by the name of Damian Carney and this woman by the name of Sue Pemberton. They were the old artistic directors for Joico and their work was not only brilliant, but it was flawless and that ended up being like the game changer. But what you had mentioned about Sally Hirschberger and Vidal Sassoon, um, I had dinner with Sassoon.
1: Whoa. We
3: had Chinese food off of our laps, and I got to spend like an hour and a half with him uh, privately in my trailer when he knew that I didn't win. Really? He came in and wanted to go ahead and talk to me, and he sat down with me, and he asked where I was from. I asked where he was from, and I asked how he became Vidal Sassoon, and he said it was other people. He said he was one of the only people that was like photographing his work and told him that my parents were teachers and all this stuff and how I just ended up on the show. Kind of the same story I gave you guys a little bit about where I was from and all that. And I was just talking to him and we had chicken chop suey off of styrofoam (laughs) plates and he's the one that told me I should get into education Uh, because he said I had a lot of raw talent and a lot of drive and he admired me for putting myself out there and I thanked him. And I remember a couple years went by and when Tabitha started getting like famous, like, you know, like right. massively famous and she was doing a book signing and Sassoon was there too because his movie just came out. And then I walked by and Vidal looked at me and said, hey Ben, how's it going? I said, it's going really good, Vidal. How have you been? At that point, I knew my professional life was never going to be the same again. So it wasn't like a TV thing for me. It wasn't notoriety or this and that. I knew... That the company that I was starting to keep and the people that were paying me compliments were beyond comprehension as far as, number one, people that you'd be able to talk to, and then number two, people you'd be able to get praise from. So I just started practicing. I mean, even the first couple years after the show, I didn't do anything because I knew I wasn't good enough. I said I was good enough to not, to not win a show. I was good enough to somehow hook up $100,000 uh, with sheer sure Genius. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the people that were like artistic directors like back in the day for these major companies, I looked and thought to myself, I was like, I can't do that. I've never had any training or this and that. So for a year or two, I literally went to anybody that would teach me anything and I taught myself how to do hair. That's incredible. That's simple, you know?
2: That's amazing. You would just travel all over for that?
3: I would go to other people's salons and find out what people were good at. And this is at the peak of my popularity. Mm -hmm. I went to Ohio. Um, I got put up by the Ohio Roller Derby Girls (laughs) (laughs) and slept in a backyard for two days and learned some stuff uh, from them about styling and and rolls and all that. And I had my friend Steven show me how to do extensions and And I just started having people that were really good precision cutters um, come over and I'd be like, hey, what would it cost for me to learn this and learn that? And I just started getting taught. I'd pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up meeting a guy by the name of Mike Hill. Uh, I ended up opening up a shop in Indiana and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Mike used to be a Sassoon guy. And I worked next to a guy that had Sassoon training for almost 10 years. And he worked right next to me. And I would just watch what he would do and I would ask questions and every time I would go to work, I wouldn't talk. I would just kind of focus on what is. I'm calling
1: BS on that. No, I uh-huh. can't imagine. Ben I'm not telling talking, you, man. man. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I was in that,
3: when I was in that learning curve, I was so focused, focused
0: right.
3: on wanting to be not good but great. You know, because you can be good. Like you can be good. You can be a good person. You can be a good father. You can be a good friend. But if you go from good to great, you're that much more substantial. So, but the journey from good to great, though, it's like a within thing. So, once I realized that the people that were training me started to give me compliments, and then I reached out to other people. To, to right now, I have a mentor, this woman by the name of Pam Mezinger, who's a hair cutter out of Ohio. She's a lefty. When people like that started to tell me that I was doing like really good work and they were proud of me, that's when I knew I was ready. Then to then teach what I was doing. So. The only reason why I'm still around, even like on the circuit, is because the stuff that I do and the stuff that I dedicate myself to, I focus to be great at. And it's only a couple things. It's only a couple things.
1: That's, I mean, two things that I took from that. Um, one is, once again, on our podcast, um, someone's success was uh, was singularly self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? Like, like that's come up so many times and kind of like, it's odd, like if we're, I think if we're looking for that secret thing to be, to, to you know, to get you from two feet behind the chair to to you know wherever you need to be, it has to be self awareness. I mean that that kind of after, I think we could write a book on that, you know, right? Just just having the self awareness and having and to be humble enough to to that as well. And the other thing is, dude, I think this quote is amazing, right? Journey from good to great is a within thing. I mean that's huge. One hundred percent.
3: No, I couldn't I couldn't say that more. And then if you want to go from great to brilliant, that's all you. You're going to die chasing that one.
1: But also,
2: he said that, you know, sort of like with his conversation with Sassoon's, he said it was other people. Other people, you know what I mean? The Word. generosity or the, or, or, or whatever, you know what I mean? It, being humbled enough to know that, hey, you know, I need help or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, other people see greatness in you and are willing to try to help pull that out of you.
1: Amen.
3: Yeah, That's how do you amazing. get it out? How do you how do you wake yourself up every morning? And, you know, if doing the same thing, you're not going to see results. And even like when I worked from home and I was self-employed like early on, I started to teach myself by not repeating failure. So if I did something and it sucked, <laughs> I wouldn't do it again. You know, right. like why is the right side longer? I'm like, well, what what am I doing? You know, and I would just, you know, go back and forth with just certain ways to to teach myself like as much as I could. When I knew that I had like international attention, I mean, sheer genius ran for forty-four countries in seven years. Whoa! And MySpace was the forum at that point, <laughs> and I had people from like Thailand sending me like, "You rock, America, go hair!" Like <laughs> some weird shit, you know. <laughs> and
1: before th- Google Translate, everything.
3: <laughs> and you no, know, it was a, it was at that point where I realized that I was a I was a good hairdresser, but how do I become a great? hairdresser at you know again certain things you know and damien was a huge huge you know i can't say enough good things about that guy as far as like being like a mentor because i was on the road with him for like six or seven years i mean in in a way i traveled all over north america and sometimes like mexico or you know like an island to do like a like a a fest not a festival but like an on location destination education kind of type thing that's awesome and he's the one that they always gave me like the best advice with everything he says take the things that you're you know that you're that you're great or good at and just try to become great he says if you don't like doing updos fuck them don't do them i don't do. If, if you don't braid don't braid so right. i i cut hair and i color hair professionally as Definitely. far as like a hairdresser goes those are the two things that I do.
2: Well, you're a lot more than us. I cut <laughs> hair. He colors hair. Perfect. Well, you guys are like you guys
3: are like Optimus Prime. You guys right. are like a transformer. Right. You guys can work together. We're like,
2: we're like one Ben. That's
3: right. good. That's good. We're like
2: Ben like, <laughs> like and Andy. That's good.
3: But no, I put a, I put a lot of work in though, and luckily I've been able to be trained and learned from like people that I truly admire, and some of the best hairdressers in the world have taken me under their wing. Wow. And the notoriety is because of obviously being on TV. But then early on, allowing myself to be a student because there's no way. You can't take popularity, and you can't take that for anything for what it is because momentum is just a state of mind, man. It is. And most you, people might, you might think you have the world by the balls, but that's, that's your thought. Right. That's what you think. You yeah. know. So,
2: Yeah, and a lot of people don't have that kind of longevity, and you've been in this, uh, in this field for a long time, and you've been at the top for a long time.
3: Hairdresser years multiply three right so if you've been on the road for one year consider it like three so i've been on the road literally for 12 years and so i tell people it's like it's like 36 years you know (laughs) because i'm always waiting i'm always just like yeah this has got to be the last year like there's no way like i'm done you know how many Mm -hmm. ways can you show balayage and fringe you know right and every year you know luckily thank (laughs) god more things start to happen and more things start to develop so you know and i'm still learning stuff too you know i'm still learning like my limitations and how to become better and this and that. So, you know, I still work with Pam once a year. I have a cutting coach that I work with. Wow. um, That we'll get together because I believe that you, you learn in a one-on-one kind of type environment.
1: So what is your, so you have a cutting coach. Yeah. Sparked curiosity. So, I mean, is she teaching you haircuts? Is she teaching you trends? Is she like, like what's she, what's she kind of teaching you? Or is it just to kind of go back to the basics and go, you know, palm to palm?
3: No, it's not even, it was the basics the first couple of times that I've taken classes with her and for me to go ahead and even pass like a haircut for her, it took me four hours on a mannequin head to get it to a point where she was like, okay, it's good. Uh And this is like a couple of years ago. And this is like
1: Navy seal type training
3: (laughs) to a point, to a point, (laughs) but I can have an idea and she watches me cut it. I said, this is what I'm looking to do. This is what I'm looking to show. So I'll actually rehearse what I want to do the following year, um, but I'll practice it with a coach before I go out to go ahead and do it. Because stage presentation, being a stage presenter, presenting hair from stage and doing hair behind a chair couldn't be two completely opposite things. Really, You can be the worst hairdresser in the world and be the best stage performer.
1: That's interesting. I mean, I mean, I, I guess this is the perfect segue. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Um, so, I mean, you, you. So, you started. The, how long ago? Well, let's back up. So, okay. you started a company called the Ben Mollen Project. I did. And tell me a little bit about the Ben Mollen Project and how long it's been around and what what do you do?
3: I would love to. The Ben Mollen Project is something that I started putting together about eight years ago, right? And maybe almost nine years ago, actually. And what had happened was. When I started working for Joico, uh, the people that were hiring me realized that I had this really confidence when I would go ahead and be on stage. And a lot of it was from like front and rock bands like back in the day and actually just being on stage just in general. So they asked me if I would go ahead and train some of their advisors. So how it works is that you have guest artists, international guest artists, and then you have advisors. And usually there's like certain levels of advisors, like there's Uh like a level three, level two, level one considering like their training and usually their jobs are to go in and teach like basic PK classes or if somebody transfers out of color to go in and work with them for like a day or two to make sure that they're comfortable with their color swap out. Right. And they asked if I would go ahead and teach them a class on stage presentation. And of course the first thing I said was yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'd <laughs> love to do yes. it. Yeah, I'd right. love to do it. And then I thought, and I was like, the hell am I going to teach? <laughs> so I reached out to some friends of mine that are second city improv actors And I reached out to a client of mine that at the time was a college teacher for speech and debate. And I I asked if they had any kind of notebooks or any kind of journals. So I got turned on to this thing called the Improv Encyclopedia. And then I got these drills that they would teach people at speech and debate at a college level. And I just started to put together like my own curriculum. And the first training, like back in the early days, the only thing I would ask for was an overhead projector a microphone and a karaoke machine and I would just do things that people were just petrified of and give them a area or like an arena to face that worst case scenario to kind of confront the boogeyman for the most part (laughs) right and some things would work some things would not work and then I would pay attention to the things that would work and I would write it down and they would send out evaluation forms and some people would send back the evaluation forms and I'd be like hey Super cool, really good way. You know, I learned a couple really cool tips and tricks. Thank you very much. But then every once in a while, you'd get this letter, Thank you so much for changing my life. Whoa. And then when you'd get letters like that, and it's different. Like if you do like a haircut on somebody, like a client, right? And you, you know, you bring them, they lost a bunch of weight, or you, you know, you help them go gray, or you've, you've shaved, you know, there's so many things that can happen from the client to the hairdresser mode. But now I was working with hairdressers and to get that back from somebody that does what you do was addicting, I guess is the best way that I can go ahead and describe it. So I would show up.
1: I mean, are you talking about like, like validation from your peers kind of thing? A hundred percent.
3: Thank you so much. This has changed my life. Which is
1: so weird because, um, you know, he's already gotten validation from like Vidal Sassoon. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of awesome that it's like kind of bringing, cause it, it literally brings the industry along. Right. Right. Yeah. When you get validation from, 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 from the top, right. right yeah. I there's mean, no, you, there's no more top. <laughs>
2: yeah. But when no. you changes, when you, when you change other people's lives though, you know what I mean? That's, you know, that's, that's gotta be just mind blowing or, I mean, it, it has to give you a, a, a moment of, this is why I'm doing this. That's, or, that's the why. Yeah.
3: Right. Like. The, well, it just it's. So I just further developed it, and then every year I would do like a couple of trainings, and then people started to get wind of what it is that I was doing, and then I would work on other things. Like I would study volume, for example, and a good val a good speech to study volume is the Martin Luther King speech, the I Have a Dream speech.
1: Let's talk about volume a little bit. Like what? Like tell me what does volume mean? Are you talking about like? You know, sound? are you on a
3: one? Are you on a one or a ten? You know, oh, it's it. yeah, like yeah, yeah, the volume, yeah. you know, it, as far it, it, as it, like okay. how you speak and all that. And if you listen to just like these epic famous speeches, what I would do is I would then write those speeches out and make people deliver them out of their comfort zone. So you're going to deliver this in an eight. So I would write out like the I had a dream speech, or I would write out different kinds of speeches that people mm-hmm. would give throughout history, and I had people go in small medium and large. And I just started developing these concepts and I would set things up. And I've always been like an audio nerd and like a music nerd and right. everything else. And I've always loved doing exercises, but then with the improv information that I had learned to on top of it, I would combine these exercises with improv exercises. And then that's when I started to see the project start to go ahead and take shape because people, people were laughing or people would reach a point where they were so nervous that they'd have a panic attack they'd leave and then they'd go ahead and come back and confront what they just got done doing with. And those were the people that I was blowing the minds off of. So a couple of years ago, I taught the class in uh, Stouffville, Ontario, Toronto <laughs> area. Um, my buddy Mark Lotti who's actually now my business partner and a woman named Monica Lombardi, who's my business partner as well. I had it pretty ironed out at that point. Right. Like it took me about six or seven years to truly understand like the format of what it is that I was doing, to understand like breath, eye contact, eye control, the difference of being on stage and being off stage. What works on stage doesn't work off stage, and developing rituals and habits, talking to singers and opera singers and how they prepared their vocals for this Whoa. and that. So I put a lot, of, a lot of work into it, and then I realized that when I started to work with this and started to teach people, that even me looking at them and being like, okay, let's lower our heart rates and looking at people in the eyes and holding their hands and being like, let's breathe and calming their nerves down. No one ever did that for them before. And you'd get people that would be emotional because they'd feel such an energy of, of empathy And compassion, I get goosebumps even talking about it. I got goosebumps listening. And you would do this for people. And the next thing you know, they would do that. And all that nervous energy you would share with them and you would lift off of them with just a little bit of knowledge. And I taught the class in Stouffville, Ontario. Look at it. It's like standing straight up. 100%. And Monica and Mark uh, came up to me afterwards and said, this is the greatest two days I've ever spent in my life. And they followed me around for a year to learn how to teach session one. And since then in the last two years, we've trained over three hundred people in three different countries. Oh,
2: that's and incredible. Back you're,
3: in March back in March I dedicated my life to it. Yeah, yeah, you're
2: attacking something that's uh it's like top two or three most feared things in the world. Well there's that Seinfeld oh, right.
1: joke, right? I mean the Seinfeld joke is like Shark uh, bites and death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it. what what come on uh Oh, the, the the number one fear in people's lives is public speaking. The number two is death. So his joke is that you would rather be the guy in the box than the guy right. giving the eulogy. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs>
3: percent. Right?
1: But to 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 make you know,
2: an an attack in a in a totally different approach. You know what I mean? And and I I think that's amazing. That's well, phenomenal. I mean, I-
1: I mean, let's do the gratuitous plug. I mean, Ben, if, if someone's about to do stage work or, or, or they need to go, how do they get in touch with you? you know, how, just, how does one get in touch with you?
3: Uh, we have the website. It's just ben, benmollenproject.com. You don't even know what it is, do you? I have no idea. It's <laughs> benmollenproject.com.
2: Uh-huh. Who's your and partner? Then, we'll ask her. <laughs> yeah, right, Monica. <laughs> yeah, you want to ask Monica on that one.
3: No, it's just benmollenproject.com, or you can just send me a message through Instagram at the Project on Instagram or just Mollen. And if I kind of find out where I'm at, but no, it's, we've been all over Canada. I did mm-hmm. a, a six day training actually in Cuba last oh, really? last June where we helped start a, uh, a key account specialist team for Joico Canada. We have worked with high school kids. I've worked with agricultural salespeople. I've worked with every single walk of life. And it's i uh, I'll tell you guys the story. It's, it's, I'll give you the reader's digest version of yeah, kind of, of kind of how this happened. So Back in June, uh, I told you that my mom had like she was like, you know, physically handicapped. Long story short, she had a surgery that she had to get done and it was like an aneurysm that she had on the back of her brain that nobody knew about. So if she wasn't talking on speakerphone back then uh, and my wife Angie wasn't there, we would have known that she wouldn't have known that she was going in for brain surgery. So the project was really picking up speed at that point. And some really dear friends of mine, there's an educational group called The Goonies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philip Ring and Keon and Ruby, they're just like the sweetest, awesomest group of people. Ruby Divine, Awesome. Adore. They're, they're just, they're, every single person from that Goonies mm-hmm. is just like, they're like blood to me, you know? And they hired me two times. I worked with them once in Kansas City for a day uh, to get them ready for a show. And then I, tra- I was going to train them for Premier Orlando, actually. So had the ticket booked and everything else. My mom went in for surgery uh, that day, like four days beforehand. Talked to her on the phone, fly out to Premier. And when I go to Premier, I worked with the Goonies the whole entire day and then talked to my mom when I landed, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Keon the barber and this woman named Heidi, and I'll never forget this for the rest of my life, we had a good day, and I, I, what I do a lot of times when I work with large groups is I put out the flow of show. So this is what time we're going to start. So I, I'm really good with working with hairdressers and artists. I take the creative process, and I structure it. You know,
1: I need more Ben in my life.
3: Totally. Uh, and I so, want to get
1: more men in my life.
3: So easy. <laughs> I told you about Andy. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, just,
2: just, me, I just need to get just that. give me a bunch of lychee martinis. <laughs> New York's right. only what, like 99 minutes away.
3: So we, uh, Keon was really excited because he had just, uh, I guess you can buy a star. You can buy a star where in the universe. You can actually have... Oh, yeah, like, I've
1: heard of the, 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 the commercials they used to run on the radio.
3: Yeah. By so, the way, if
1: we're looking for a sponsor if you...
3: <laughs> the stars. <Yeah. laughs> just buy buy a star. <laughs> Longitude 101. Yeah. Hi, welcome to Your Day Podcast. Brought to you by Longitude 101 Latitude 0.77. Hi, I'm your co-score. Hi, I'm Tony. So it's... We were back there and they had... All the goonies were together. They were all just kind of hanging out. and We were just going over like show flow and doing this and doing that. And Keon's like, Hey, I just, I I adopted this star and he showed me like the star and he's like, all you ever have to do is go ahead and look up. And when he told me to go ahead and look up, um, my phone started vibrating and, uh, my mom went into a coma (sighs) when he told me to look up. So I was literally basically in the room with him when he told me to look up and I went back to the hotel and I FaceTimed, uh, my wife, Angie, and she said, call your brother called my brother and, uh, that was it. She was in a coma and it wasn't looking good. So I called Keon and I said, Hey, thank you for being there for me for this. And this This is what I got going on. So I went home and landed in Chicago, went back to the hospital and realized that that was going to be my mom or the version of my mom. So we took her off of life support and my dad wasn't taking care of himself because how it worked was my mom told my dad when to do this and when to do that. So my dad was suffering dehydration. So my dad got hospitalized while my mom was in a coma. That's what I landed to when I came back in Chicago. Oh my then gosh. I found out, like, with all this was going on, that my dad had bladder cancer within, I mean, dude, like two hours. So it's not, it's how you act defensively. Is it's It's so much about your character, you know, and I believe that you have to experience certain things in order to get relevancy as far as like what it is that you're able to communicate with people or how you're able to relate like back and forth. So that mom ends up passing away and I ended up finding a place for my dad to go um, because luckily he set it up so that he had uh, teacher retirement, so we had to put him in like an assisted living. right So planned a, a Shiva, which is basically Hebrew for funeral. And that was on Wednesday. On that Saturday, a car comes and picks me up and I go from Chicago, Chicago to Montreal, Montreal to Cuba for a six-day Ben Mollen Project workshop for Joico Canada and got to Cuba and got messed with by immigration going in. So strike one was my mom passing away. Strike two was finding out what my dad had going on. Strike three, I'm in a third world country about to get detained. And that happened literally all within uh, like a six-day period. So at that point, I looked up. I didn't know where else to look. I looked up and uh, I said, obviously, yes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) God, is that you? (laughs) And that was it. We ended up teaching the class and it was the first time I've ever felt like me actually leaving my body and the information that I gave and how I was able to train like for that week that I was out there, um, it came back and I realized that I needed to shift gears. So I had a salon we had you know yeah it's a heavy one that's a real heavy one you I said mean, it was going to be funny <laughs> you asked me if um, i wanted tissue and you're the one that looks like you need one yeah
1: definitely need. It. how did you i mean I, I'm, I'm blown away by even the possibility that you could do a class in this i, I mean, had to i mean there, there's there, there's so much grief laying on you at that point i mean how, how do you muster that up
3: there's so much inspiration too from grief though depending on what side of the fence that you're on when you take it and for me whoa, 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 it was what a, does that mean it was a flight or fight kind of a type thing with me. I said, I'm either going to go ahead and roll with this and completely lose my shit right? or I'm going to see what I'm truly made of and see if I can turn this into somehow inspiring for other people because eight years ago, when I got a letter that somebody said that I changed their life, I needed that. I needed that. Like it was something that I needed to at least attempt as opposed to going back to what had been my new reality, which was about to suck hard, you know, like way hard. So I said, mm-hmm. let me just keep on going with what it is that I got going on. And I thought, what would my mom do? My mom was a retired K through five educator. She had a doctorate in education and written books, curriculums, uh, the whole nine yards. So not only did I feel like I was doing what she would have done, but I also felt like I was, I had a chance to, start a legacy for her because of all the information and knowledge that she gave me on everything. So in a way I was honoring her death by going there and teaching.
1: Boom. Wow. Whew. That's heavy, bro. Yep. That's really heavy. I and mean, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I I'm, I'm glad
2: you chose to fight, man, because uh, I, th- I think you're an amazing person. Uh, you're, you're doing amazing things. I totally respect you. I, you know, I can't wait to take, the class with you. The
3: pro- I can't wait to train you. Yeah, yeah. can't I wait to train so you. looking
2: forward to that.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean,
3: and that's. Uh, that's yeah, great.
1: It, it, it's interesting to me that that you know after you know Ben's rock and roll days and after his hairdressing days and after all that, at the end of the day, he's exactly what his parents are, and that's a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, like True that, like like that. That's what his DNA is saying. You know. So.
2: He still good now, I'm sure, in the music department. <laughs> I,
3: I got turned on to physical fitness actually four or five months ago. To sum it up, I went into work when I got back from the Cuba trip and told my whole staff that they had two months to find work. And I had commission guys. I had booth rent. You know, we mm-hmm. won salon of Northwest Indiana. <laughs> salon of Northwest Indiana back Woo-hoo. in two- yeah, totally <laughs> the bronze. We didn't even get, we didn't even win. We got the bronze. Uh, yeah. I'm going oh, down. Got the sign, I, know, right? I know. No, I know. I was like, "What the <laughs> hell?" Usually, I get second place. And um, you don't I get, know who I am? I'm second place, Ben. <laughs> so I gave him two months. Right. I gave him two months. And at the, the second month, when I walked back in, is when literally I, I turned the key, opened up, and that's when I got a phone call from the All Stars. Whoa! To the day. To the day. That's so then, crazy. what happened was everything that I taught, everything that I've been telling people. Because when people really listen to what you're telling them, you have to choose your words wisely. And I tell people that all the time, especially when you're miked. Watch what you say because there's people that are truly listening. And if you can make an impact on somebody positively, you're doing a great job. But it's as easy as it is to influence somebody, it's also that easier to discourage that person. So literally, you got to watch what you say. And I got done with that, and did the show. I came back. I said, well, what else can I get rid of? And in March I went into work and I looked at my book and I said, if it wasn't ever fun, I wouldn't do it anymore. I saw my book and I just had that day (laughs) like that, that Saturday day where you look at your clients and you're like, I got, I got Pete and repeat, you know?
1: Right. Right.
3: And I left. I quit. That's it. And I did my last haircut on this guy named Dan Mitchell. And uh he was Dan. my longest client for 27 years. And I went on Facebook to make it official and cried. And that was it. And I went home after that and said, I'm just going to focus on being trained. I'm going to still keep the coaches that I have that work with me as far as the hair goes. But I'm going to start doing hair the same way I would like the way I play guitar. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go back to it, to its like rawest form, and just focus on how I can strengthen hairdressers, primarily because, you know, for lack of a better term, it's it's what I know. Mm-hmm. I've been on the road for 12 years. I've worked some of the biggest hair shows in the world. So I understand the logic and how it works with presenting from stage. And that's all I've been doing. I did, I've literally dedicated my life to the project. Wow! And it's the best decision I could have ever made. And I thought about it and a lot of the successes that I have right now, it's not the hard work that I put into it, it's the risks that I've taken that I owe my success to. Does that make sense? That makes 100%. 100%. I mean, it's the risk. It makes why so here.
1: much sense that I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm blown away by how much yeah. sense it makes. If that makes sense, you know, like,
3: totally. I mean, I met you guys on Instagram. You're like, are you going to be in Philly? I'm like, yeah, I'll just get a plane ticket and come out here <laughs> do this interview and go home, you know? And it's just the, the next step for me is just to create you know more awareness and because like you know i go home tomorrow and i'm working with uh some people that are currently right now working with pulp riot and i have a, a buddy of mine named antonio that's a hanzo barber and i'm training them in chicago for two days you know sunday and monday at a friend of mine's salon out there and then i go out to windsor in november and right now i am Trying uh, to lock in a date with Mozella and Palmer out in London uh, to start bringing the project uh, overseas and start wow. working with like European how, artists. how long
1: are the classes? Yeah. It, the project you, class. Yeah, you break you break that break that all project
3: down. classes are two days.
1: Okay,
3: so there's session one, which you have to go ahead and go through. And what session one covers is eye contact, body position, right? Basically, just how to leave an impact you know, do's and don'ts before you're going to present all these things, how to sell? you know, how to sell it. So it's working as a partner, working by yourself on your introduction and your body, how you introduce yourself is so important. You can spend 10 hours trying to master a technique, but a lot of times people spend 15 seconds trying to figure out how they're going to introduce themselves. So with me, it's just kind of filling in that, that gap, Right. you know, giving some, a creative person, something else to be creative about and right. giving him that information. I love that. So that's two days. And I then, loved it
2: when you introduced yourself to Corey and you jump on his back. <laughs> Stupid.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You got you to gotta <laughs> let him know your hair. Sometimes yeah. you got to pee in the corner. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know what got to let him know you have arrived.
1: Hey, so, so session one is two days?
3: Session one is two days. And how
1: many sessions? There's two sessions? There's three though? sessions. Okay, three
3: yeah. sessions. And then um, session two, uh, one of my po- most popular session two sessions is presenting hair from stage. So after you go through session one, you're eligible for session two. And session two can also be real estate sales. Session two could also be presenting at your best man's wedding. Session two is basically, it's the real life scenario of what you've gone through session one for. Got it. But you can't do session one without session two. Got it. So, you so session
1: one's like your foundation of hundred percent. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's the basic fundamentals,
1: right? And then session two is like, all right, let's put the ball in rolling. Let's yep. get the ball rolling.
3: Let's get the ball rolling.
1: Cool. So uh, so after that, what's what what's session three? Session
3: three, we are waiting to get a hundred people that have gone through session two. Right now, we're probably around roughly around sixty, right? And then session three is going to be on location. And right now, I'm looking at like Cabo San Lucas or uh, Columbia, or just like a a destination. Right. And I had an awesome dinner with Tabitha a couple weeks ago. And it's just putting you around people that influence you and like-minded people. Because after everyone has gone through session one and session two,
1: you already They're know They're like your homies, that. right? They are your homies, your homies and it's, right. you
3: have to go through the project in order to, to be a part of that. Tony, I, I think
1: we need to speed through session one and two so yeah, we can go to I oh. want to be the oh. top 100, absolutely. Keep me out here. Yeah, Keep great. me out here. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's
3: been, it's been good. I have, you know, product companies have been reaching out to me, and a lot of artists, young artists, up-and-comers have been reaching out to me. And uh, Keon the Barber, uh, he calls me Yoda. You know, he's just that's like, like you just have this thing, you know, about everything, you know, and it's my whole life's work has gotten me to where I'm at now. And like, Mm -hmm. even what we talked about, like in the beginning, like where I'm from and the time I slipped my buddy, Andy, you know, all these, (laughs) all these things about the developmental process of, of growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. through doing hair and getting a taste of what celebrity might feel like. And then turning that into being well-known within just the hair industry, which is fine. It's great. It's awesome. You know, I, and at the end of the day, I love hairdressers. I love hairdressers more than I love hairdressing.
1: That's that. That's great. I mean, we yeah. um, I, I would I won't go quite that far, but but certainly, um, you know, the reason we even started this was because of our our love and respect for the industry oh, and for the hairdressers that I are love in it. hairdressers. I mean, if I can just yeah. kind of give Ben an endorsement, and this is a this is a whatever. I was talking to Mariah from. Uh, pink pewter yeah she's awesome and, um, and she said that uh that sam via hooked you guys up and, and that you helped her with a presentation so i did so if if, if sam via who by the way i took a public speaking class with sam via so if he's actually recommending ben model i think it's pretty uh pretty big kudos there you know so uh it's pretty awesome right i mean yeah. who's who, who better than sam via
3: and then amazing. no he's and he Sam every, every time i see sam too he's very he's like hey brother i got your back you know there's a lot of people, a lot of the bigger names right now that would be considered like the iconic crew. Right. Luckily I'm all friends with. You know, I've become friends with over the years because that's what age will will bring you when you're in doing something for one year or two years, yeah, you're you're getting the hang of it, but mm-hmm. then when you start doing it for 5 or 6 years, 9 or 10 years, you know, you just meet a lot of people along the way and if you're kind and consistent and honest, that gets you really far with this, you know. I love this. And we were talking earlier too it seems like a lot of the people that have the most information to share are the most successful it's because there's why wouldn't you right you know it's a lot of times a lot of times it's the people on the climb that have the claws they need it you know
2: yeah can you throw out again how people can find
3: you they can find me in Philadelphia, actually. If they <laughs> send me a random message <laughs> right. on Instagram, I'll just fly out to you. Right. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> no, you can reach out to me at Ben Mollin on Instagram and send me a message that way, or the Ben Mollin project on Instagram as well, or just Mollen at gmail.com.
2: Awesome So you want to Close this ben out Mullen, And ask the last question
1: Yeah absolutely So <laughs> I'm scared To ask this question So uh, Mr. Ben Malin uh, yes. Well first of all We got to set the question up Right Okay So um, Should
3: I dim the lights Or I think they've dimmed Okay um,
1: So You can't You know listen You can't do world You can't cop out Is basically what we're saying Okay So uh, what's Ben Malin Absolutely obsessed with Right now And it can be like anything
3: Ah man What am I obsessed with Yeah Let me think about this I, you know what? I, I'll tell you what I'm obsessed with. I have, a, I have a brand new obsession. I am actually training for an Ironman. Get out. Talk yeah. About
1: physical, physical fitness, right?
3: Physical fitness. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm obsessed.
2: So you're uh, going like starting to work out to to the top. Ironman, straight to the Iron
1: Ironman. Iron Iron so just, you're, doing, you're doing marathon. You're doing the 100 I'm mile bike I'm going to swim, just... swim
3: 2.6 miles. I'm going to bike 111, then run a fucking <laughs> marathon. And I'm doing it in Quebec. What? Just to make it more epic. Yeah.
1: In wow. January. He's going to cool go back in no, January. No, not in January. He <laughs> <laughs> to shovel his way through the right. through That's the it. Yeah. Right.
3: Go camping in the mountains. Yeah, no. Awesome. Uh, no, no. I. I. Right now, I am obsessed with pushing my physical limits.
1: I absolutely, absolutely love this. Yeah, absolutely Uh, obsessed. Mr. Ben Mullen, I mean, I can't thank you enough for for flying in from Chicago just to do this, Um, flying to Philly to to do this. Um, I can't thank you enough for um, for how much you're giving back to our industry. Um, I mean, just... what an incredible ride you've had, sir.
3: Well, I think you guys are on your on the verge, and we talked about this kind of like a little bit off microphone. You guys are on your point. You guys are on your point to becoming iconic. I truly believe that. And what really got my attention was what you guys are doing. It's you're giving you're giving a voice to people. You're you're creating the audio as opposed to just the visual. Because the visual, it's like, fuck, are you kidding me? You can't even, it's like it's like watching badgers swim. You can't tell one from <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. it's the same thing. So visually, there's only so much that you can do as an artist as far as like when you visualize things. Audio, when you listen to things, it's a whole different sensory. It's a whole different part of the mind that is stimulated. So you're inspiring people when you take away their sight. And if you think about it that way, it's a whole other world that you guys are tapping into and you're the only ones that are doing it. So for me, I wanted to be able to say when you guys are looking back at this interview five or six years from now, I would be like, I was on this when these guys were setting up at Boos, <laughs> right? doing it this way, sending uh, people to go get their laptops when they're doing this and that. So you guys keep on doing what you're doing uh, because what you're doing is you're creating a complete and entire different sense uh, for people in which to learn by and be inspired by. And I wanted to be a part of it before you guys were so big you don't answer your phones anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're going to have you flying out everywhere we go. That's it. Exactly.
3: No, but you guys are – I mean, and I look forward to – uh, it's probably going to air after. I look forward to your Sober October and everything that you guys are doing. So keep up the good work, and it's an honor to be here. So,
1: Thank you again. Yeah, for very sure, man. Appreciate it. Right back at you. Well, Mr. Ben Mullen, thank you very, very much for joining us on Your Day Off.